Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez, and I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen. I'm also a national political reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're talking about Phoenix City Council's two newest members. They're definitely not your average council members. They're very different from what residents could expect in the past. We'll break down how and why they're so unique and what that means for people living in Phoenix. So, Ron? Yes, Yvonne? (laughs) Give us the background on Phoenix City Council. Okay, uh, so the Phoenix City Council is made up of nine people, and that includes the somewhat newly elected mayor, Kate Gallego. It's supposed to be nonpartisan, but, you know, politics is always uh, below the surface and plays a role. So breaking down the makeup, there are three Republicans, two of whom are pretty staunchly conservative. The other is more moderate. And then there's six Democrats, two of whom are the newest members, Betty Guardado and Carlos Garcia. If you're unfamiliar with the new members, let me give you the basics. Betty Guardado and Carlos Garcia were sworn in on June 6th. Betty was a union organizer with the Hotel Workers Union in town. She's a mom of two young kids, she's a first-generation American, and she has never ever held any other political public office. And she easily defeated her opponent, Vanya Guevara, who was a former city staffer. Similarly, Carlos Garcia defeated a city council member and retired Phoenix police officer, Michael Johnson. He's a father of two and a pretty well-known activist who ran a migrant rights group. You might recognize his name from his several showdowns against former Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Garcia has also been critical of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, better known as ICE, and the Phoenix Police Department. So that's just a little information on Betty and Carlos, your new city council members. It does not take a political junkie to see. They definitely are outside insurgents with the potential to really shake things up. Here to talk about all that with us is reporter Jessica Bame, who covers Phoenix City Hall and is no stranger to the pod. Jessica, thanks for coming on. Of course, love being here. Jessica, I gave listeners the basics, but tell us more about Betty and Carlos. How was their swearing-in ceremony? So they were sworn in on June 6th, and I would typically not use this word to describe something as mundane as a swearing-in ceremony, but it really was emotional. The ceremony incorporated a lot of examples of you know, their diverse worldviews and backgrounds and kind of just spelled out how unique and unusual these candidates and now city council members are. How so? So there's a lot of attention on Carlos because he is probably the dictionary definition of a non-traditional candidate. Um, And I'll get to him, but I want to start with Betty. Betty began her career as a housekeeper in a hotel in California, Um, but she really quickly joined a union and learned how to mobilize others um, in the union, and then eventually actually ended up landing a job as an organizer. She moved to Phoenix about 15 years ago, and she's been very involved in getting some of our current council members elected through the Unite Here union. She worked to get several of them elected, and 
I sat down with her a few hours after her swearing in, and she basically said it was time for her and people like her to realize that they can be the candidate. I decided, like, okay, I think it's time for people like us, people like Carlos and I, you know, that help people get elected into office. You know, like we, you know, like I think those council members and mayors brought something different to the table. And now, you know, we want to bring something even more diverse. And then there's Carlos, and you hit on this, but he is an activist at heart. And though he's most known for his uh, altercations, if you will, with Arpaio and others during that SB 1070 era. That's where Arpaio's at. That's where he plots all these things out. And then we're going to march all the way to the ICE office. He's also been very critical of the Phoenix City Council and the police department, which, guess what, now he's a part of that system. And, you know, he joked at his swearing in that he would have never imagined being in this position as an elected official four years ago. And I think probably all of us who live in the political world also would never have guessed this would happen. Um, So, you know, as I look at both of our new council members, it's just it's so obvious that they took these non-traditional pathways to City Hall. And they're, they're both outsiders. They've both been critical of the council. And I guess the takeaway is that they're sort of these normal people who decided, I'm going to be a part of local government. And their communities, their voters agreed with them. So on that note, you're right. They're certainly not conventional politicians in, in the traditional sense. They're everyday people. But what does that mean for all the other everyday people now that they're going to be representing? Sure. I mean, I guess only time will tell. But I think the hope of the people who elected them is that, you know, that these people that Betty and Carlos will just be more accessible just because they're more relatable to those individuals that they're representing. Uh, Their constituents, particularly the minority and low income members of their community, may feel more comfortable addressing their needs with these individuals because they've gotten to know them outside of the, you know, sometimes intimidating world of city government. So there's a hope that they might come in with fresh eyes and be able to address some of those basic needs in the community that may have been ignored for a long time. So it strikes me that these two really understand and probably have the shared experience of knowing what it's like to have unfixed potholes or maybe not the best, most reliable public safety and patrolling. Maybe they've grown used to the streetlights being out in their neighborhood. So how do you see them tackling kind of those basic fundamental nuts and bolts of city government on that level? Right. And and that was one of the things that Betty especially has brought up so frequently that you know, it's good to have these like pie in the sky dreams at city council, but for their communities, which both of their districts, I would say are, you know, among, have communities that are among the most low income and and heavily minority communities who have almost gotten used to the idea that their streetlights will be out, that they have potholes. And, you know, I think the idea is that they will come in and tackle those on kind of a, a granular level. And, you know, I asked Carlos, what is the most important thing? What is the thing that your district needs the most? And it was interesting. He said, I think that my community just wants to feel respected. 
I think the the critical need is respect. I think some of the stories and that I saw while I was canvassing is, is people having their water shut off, people a demolished building in their neighborhood that was just left with you know for for children to to breathe in the things that were there. And I'm assuming that doesn't happen in, in other parts of the city. And it's fair to say that parts of his district and parts of uh, of Betty's district, um, Carlos represents South Phoenix, Betty represents West Phoenix. They've gotten the short end of the stick. I'm not going too far in saying that. Um, and so it'll just be interesting to see if they'll be more proactive in seeing and addressing those issues and, you know, maybe fill a pothole before the complaint comes in. You know, it, it strikes me that the complaint is maybe even a loaded term here that the problem isn't that a complaint comes in. It's actually maybe a good thing to see because it's a, a symptom of new engagement in a part of the city that maybe hasn't had that much of it. Um, it would mean residents think there's, I guess, hope that things can get better. You know, that's a really good point because most of the ways that the city addresses issues like let's just stick with potholes, is through complaints. And what we've seen is that people in those areas think, well, it's never been resolved, so why am I going to complain at this point? And so, yeah, if we start seeing complaints come in, that could be a really good testament to this newfound connection they have with their council members. You know, in some ways, the fact that these areas feel that they've been abandoned for so long, kind of paved the way for people like Carlos and Betty to be successful. Okay, so that's the positive way of looking at the <laughs> election of these two um, to the council. But could their lack of experience in the halls of government have its downsides? Like, how do they really plan to take their backgrounds and to leverage them to get actual tangible, meaningful policies and money for their districts. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point and something we're going to have to watch because, you know, City Hall is not a union. It's not a protest. And you can't just, you know, walk out or organize a protest every time um, you disagree with someone on city council. And as a council member, you are one of nine. And if you want to get anything done, you've got to build a coalition. And if these folks want to do all the good that they claim they want to do for their district, they're going to have to find within themselves that balance of maintaining their roots and the reason why people elected them while also being realistic about what's possible within this very formal uh, body that they've just become a part of. So how is that going to change the dynamic of the council? I mean, these nine people uh, really have to work together to operate the city. And they come from very different viewpoints, both politically and from life experiences. Do you have a sense as to whether or not this is going to lead to tensions that could trickle down and affect Phoenix residents? It certainly could. I mean, I think when I think of the possible tensions that could arise, my my head goes directly to Councilman Sal DeCicio. Um, until now, Sal has kind of been the like lone wolf rabble rouser, if you will. Uh, the rest of them try to be fairly well behaved, but he definitely, um, you know, can 
uh, light up a meeting. And, you know, he's basically ideologically the anti-Carlos. He represents District 6, which is like Ahwatukee, Biltmore, parts of North Phoenix, Arcadia. It's an affluent district, and he's a staunch conservative. There's going to be situations in which Sal and Carlos find themselves on very different sides of an argument. Um, and I could see Carlos kind of taking on a similar persona, though, as Sal. And so I think everyone who watches Phoenix City politics is kind of waiting for those um, punching gloves to come out and see what happens. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting, to say the least. Okay, so give us a sign of these coming attractions. What what kind of issues are Sal and Carlos likely to quarrel on uh, the most or the the fastest? It's a good question. I think at the end of the day, there will probably be many many uh, issues that they disagree on. But I would say the one that we'll probably see pop up first uh, is the idea of the police department and some of the issues that community members have expressed about the department. Last year, there was a record number of shootings by police in Phoenix. Uh, Just recently, we have seen some racist and insensitive Facebook posts by police officers come to light. Um, Sal is, you know, always incredibly supportive of the police department. Um, There have been many times at meetings in the last couple of years where Sal has gone after people who he sees as attacking the police. Um, And, you know, some of those people have been people that are very much aligned with Carlos. And so Carlos has not been shy about wanting to address community police relations. And I think that is an area where you're going to see them go head to head. And last, but certainly not least, I have to get to this one. Light rail, I think, is going to be a big issue that you're going to see come up where these two are going to be on very different sides of things. Um, Sal is obviously very anti-light rail. There's an election in August, and things are just going to ramp up there. And Carlos has been supportive of the light rail. I'm so sorry. You're going to have another election to cover? (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Is this going to affect the productivity of the council? Will they be able to kind of work past their personalities and their, you know, public personas and their politics and be able to do the jobs that taxpayers have elected them to do and not just fight about things? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Um, You know, that's, that's going to be, I think, the biggest test for Mayor Kate Gallego. Um, And, you know, she's only a few months into this position. She was sworn in in March. So she's just getting her footing here. And now we're throwing a couple of wild cards at her. And it's going to be interesting for her to be able to find that right balance in her leadership role to kind of allow those council members with big personalities to have those personalities, but still make sure that they're coming together and actually getting things done. And it's not going to be easy because at the end of the day, the mayor doesn't have like a whole lot of power she can hold over another council member's head. She's just one vote out of nine, just like the rest of them. Um, But she could use uh, her influence to make their lives more difficult if they get out of line. You know, she has control over things like subcommittee assignments and what gets on the agenda. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that, but I will surely be back to update you if it does. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. 
So what does it say about Phoenix more generally to see Betty and Carlos elected to the city council? We've talked all about how untraditional they are and how progressive they are. Does this suggest the city is moving more to the left? Is the electorate more diverse, more youthful, more engaged than they've been maybe in the past? Maybe. It's it's important to remember that this election was super low turnout. It was a May election, so most people forgot that it was happening. Uh, so we're dealing with a really small sample size here. But I think we are seeing a rise in non-traditional candidates, um, even nationally. Um, and I think Betty and Carlos definitely fit into that mold. Um, I mean, you could even go as far as to look at President Trump. Uh, he's also a non-traditional candidate. And although he is very different from Betty and Carlos, um, you can argue that you know, his supporters like him for the same reasons. Um, he's not a part of the system. He's an outsider, just like they are. And so I do think you can see some, you know, trend in people finding it appealing that these people aren't the insider or the traditional lawyer becomes politician uh, pathway that we've seen in the past. So I, I think it will continue. Well, Jessica, thanks so much for coming on again. Listeners, be sure to follow her reporting by going to azcentral.com and clicking local. Jessica, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at jbame underscore news, and bame is B-O-E-H-M. And for our listeners, if they wanted to contact the city council and the two new city council members, where can they find them at? If you want to contact Councilwoman Betty Guardado, you can give her office a call at 602-262-7446. Our new Councilman Carlos Garcia's office is 602-262-7493. And if you just want to call the city to talk about street maintenance or other things, we've got 602-262-6441. And you can find all of this online at phoenix.gov. They actually have a really helpful portal called At Your Service where you can report online if you're like me and don't love to call people. I picked a great career path. <laughs> That's it for today, Gecko listeners. While we still have you, please do not forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend or two. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, you can reach me on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. You can follow me at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Taylor Seeley with help from Katie O'Connell and Caleb White. Thanks so much. We will see you next week.